Good morning. Uh, so Chris contacted me on Wednesday night and asked me to share a little bit. Uh, and I said, okay, well, what do you want me to share about? So he gave me the title. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you what it is quite yet. But I want to start with a question. And I'd appreciate an answer from somebody. So speak out. How do we define the word power? What is, what is powerful? What is power? Anybody? Prayer? Influence? Control. So the dictionary gives a couple different definitions for power. The one I chose for today, and the one that I think we most often think of when we think of the word power, says it's the capacity or the ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. Uh, In my own words, I wrote down, someone is powerful if they're able to produce or direct action. So, power creates action. Um, Chris's theme, I suppose, that he asked me to, to share about is the power of prayer. So, as we, as we talk about the power of prayer, think about what kind of how we've defined the word power. And I think it's important to recognize that we think of power in a very worldly sense when we think about it in that definition. And hopefully by the end of what I'll share, I think we'll hopefully have a little bit of a different meaning of power uh, and what we think it is. Um, But when we think of, of the power of prayer, I think there's a couple things that come to mind to begin with. Uh... The first things that pop into my mind, when somebody says the power of prayer, I think of miracles or something that's extraordinary, right? Like something that there was no other way around it and you prayed about a situation and something just happened. And some people might say it's coincidence. You might look at it. You might say it's a miracle. Uh, it's extraordinary. It's something unusual would be something powerful in prayer. And I think that's accurate. Uh, In fact, James 5 says that the prayer of a righteous person has power. Um, In fact, in in certain translations, it says it has great power. And like I said, I think think there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, There are miracles, there are wonders, there are things that happen uh, through prayer and through prayer of righteous people. Um, I can think of one instance, and I don't pretend to be up here putting myself in the category of a righteous person, but I, I do think this was several months ago, uh, one night down at work, and before I tell you the story, a little bit of medical background, so when somebody overdoses on drugs, they no longer will breathe on their own, so they stop breathing, and after a certain amount of time, several minutes of not breathing, their heart will stop beating because it no longer has oxygen. So the sooner that people can arrive to take action to correct that, 
the better that person's chance of survival. Now, down at New Philadelphia, where we work at, we're full-time. We work there. We live there at the fire station. But still, during the middle of the night, it takes us several minutes to get downstairs, get dressed, get on our truck, get on the way to wherever this call is at. So it was about 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, and we got a call for an overdose. And the dispatch information, they gave us an address. So we get downstairs, we hopped in our truck, and we start driving to this address that they gave us. And uh, on the way, they updated us. They said, hey, the caller's back on the phone. They said he's turning blue. They don't think he has a pulse. Okay. So that changes the game for us a little bit right now. We're going to do CPR. He's, he is, for all intents and purposes, this person is going to be medically dead when we get there, unless we're able to correct that. So... Long story short, but uh, as we arrived at the address that the dispatch had given us, we find out that's the wrong address, so we're, we're at the wrong spot. Yet, to put all of this into perspective, we're several minutes behind because it's the middle of the night. Now we've gone to the wrong address. So we had to go back down the street, find the correct address. This gentleman is down in the basement. And... Uh, so we get downstairs, we do our thing, we get him back upstairs, we're still working on him, and the crew is in the back of the medic of our squad, and they said, hey, why don't you drive us to the hospital? And I said, okay. So I hopped up front, and we started headed for the hospital. I can remember, and if anybody's familiar with New Philadelphia, there's a main street called 4th Street that runs straight up to the hospital, and it crosses Wabash Avenue. And as we're driving up there... I remember thinking to myself, like, this guy has no chance. I mean, everything that could have gone wrong tonight probably did. And he, he has no chance. And I remember just as I'm driving up the road, I didn't close my eyes, so don't think I closed my eyes, and I didn't hold my hands together. But I, I just said a prayer, and I said, God, if you can just, just give this guy one more chance. It wasn't... 10 seconds up the road, the guys in the back said, hey, this guy's got a pulse. We unloaded him at the hospital, and he was discharged home several days later, completely fine. So, prayer has power. There's, there's wonderful instances, and we can talk about innumerable amounts of stories of, of prayer making a difference. Throughout the Old Testament, into the New Testament, prayers have always made and done some miraculous things. But what I want to get at with today is a part of the power of prayer that I think we miss sometimes. Um, switching gears a little bit and going to somewhere else in, in Scripture where some powerful imagery is, is used... Uh, Elijah, in 1 Kings 19, when he's fleeing from Jezebel, uh, the Lord comes to him, and he comes to him in a great wind. And it, it, it says, the wind was so great, it tore the mountain apart and broke rocks. And then there was an earthquake, and there was fire. And we all know the story, that the Lord was not in any of those, but he was in the small, still voice that came following that. Um, and in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul then goes and he, Paul is writing, uh, and he's talking about the thorn in his flesh. And when, when I think of Paul, I think 
James 5, where he writes the prayer of a righteous man, availeth much. I think Paul would probably fit that description pretty well of being a righteous man. But he's praying to the Lord, and he says, get, get this away from me. And he prays several times about this thorn in the, in the flesh. Uh, and the Lord actually comes back and answers and says this. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And for Paul, his prayer wasn't any less powerful. There was still power in that. He just didn't get a miraculous, extraordinary response from it in the way that we would see it. But, and, and like, again, like I said, those things are absolutely fantastic examples of God's power, of, of his control on everything and anything that can, that can be done. God, God has full control of that. But... I think the most powerful thing that, that can come out of a prayer is not those huge events, but instead it's the relationship and communication that you and I can enjoy through that prayer. And having that relationship and seeing a, a changed heart is just as much of a miracle as anything, any story that's being told of any miraculous event, of any extraordinary event. A changed heart is every bit of that as anything else. A changed life is every bit a miracle and as extraordinary as any of that. And I think when we, when we choose to recognize that, we can really start to see the power of prayer and the continued power of prayer in our lives as we pray and as we grow and continue to grow in that relationship with God. Uh, in closing, and I'll turn it over to Marvin, there's a quote from, from C.S. Lewis that I think describes prayer really, really well in this sense. And C.S. Lewis wrote and he said, Prayer in the sense of petition, asking for things, is a small part of it. Confession and penitence are its threshold. Adoration is its sanctuary. And the presence and vision and enjoyment of God, it's bread and wine. And so that would be my desire, my hope, is that as we pray, we recognize the miracles and the extraordinary in our own lives as we change and continue to grow in that relationship. Marvin? All right. Good morning again. Um, Chris, when he asked me to share, he uh, suggested the importance of God's Word and how it impacts our lives. So, if you want, you can turn to uh, Psalm 1. I'll be reading that, the first psalm. But Isaiah 
40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. Get that. It says, The Word of God stands forever. Forever, is a, that's a long time. Uh, so there's two things that last forever. The Word of God and our souls. Those are the two things that uh, I think will last forever. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is how the Israelites uh, left Egypt, how God had promised them the, the, the land of Canaan. And he said, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But, you know, the majority of them didn't get to enjoy this promised land because they didn't believe him and ended up dying in the wilderness. You know, they, uh, they all had that promise. God said he would take them to, to the land of Canaan. But, uh, you know, then the ten spies or the twelve spies went to the, to the promised land Ten of them came back and said, oh, we'll never be able to do this. Uh, I would imagine that the children of Israel were talking among themselves and saying this land is good, yes, but these people will probably kill us and, and you know, all the, all the negative things. Uh, I could believe that they were much like we were, that like we are, there's, there were plenty of rumors and, and exaggerated rumors. Uh, you know, today we have electronic media. We, can, we hear all these experts tell us about what's going to happen, how bad it's all going to be. But life may not always be easy, but in the end, you know, we already know. We already know the promised land is as ours, as God's people. And uh, that's, you know, that's the greatest promise that has ever been made. You know, and God sealed that with, with the blood that was shed on Calvary. All right, let's uh, read uh, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf, is also, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So, if we go back to verse 1, the word blessed means happy or having an inward joy. We don't allow the ungodly to influence our faith. It seems Moses sent the spies to Canaan to see what all they needed to overtake the land. I don't think he was asking the spies to, 
to go there and uh, see if we can do it. I believe he sent them to the, to the promised land to see what they should take in order to overcome these, uh, the people in the promised land. But it seems like these spies took on more responsibility that was theirs. So they, they thought they were, it was their responsibility to protect and to take care of the Israelites. But in reality, they were only to, take, to get a general feel of the land. God had already promised them the land. So if we look at verses 2 and 3, the image here is of a tree nourished by a constant supply of water. A constant supply of grace and strength drawn from the Word of God is what sustains us. Those who have deep roots into the heart of God may not always be wealthy in earthly means, but they're fruitful in God's work, which is true prosperity. So, uh, planted, verse 3, planted like a tree, planted, planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. That, that uh, river is available to all of us. We've all got lots of means to God's word. So I had to think, you know, let's say that I had the opportunity to, to only ever buy one vehicle in my lifetime, and I knew that this vehicle would have to do for the rest of my life. I would maintain that vehicle to the very best of my ability so that it would keep running well. My soul is the only one that I will ever have. And in order to maintain the health of it, I need to feed it with truth every day. And I believe having and growing our faith is not something that we can put on autopilot. I need to feed myself with God's word and if you're like me, and you, you wish to draw closer to God, uh, have more zeal, sometimes I think uh, we make it a little too complicated. You know, really. I, do, I don't think God asks anything really complicated of us. He just he gives us his word. If we, uh, if we read his word, apply it to our lives, I don't think he asks us to do something out of the ordinary. Just, just do what, uh, what we can. We don't need to be the other person. He just asks us to be us. He just asks you to be you and, and me to be me. So, I guess uh, my encouragement would be let's just be ourselves, but let's dive into the word and give ourselves to, to reading God's word. All right, let's bow our heads to pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful, so thankful for the power of prayer and that you have promised us that the prayer of a righteous man avails much. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the strength that we can gain from your word. May you continue to to uh, speak to us through the, the songs and 
through your word throughout the rest of the day. May you be honored and glorified because you are worthy. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.